Do we want to start? Yeah. Okay. Mystery of the 99 Steps. Well, aren't you a regular Nancy Drew? We sure hope so. And we hope you are too. Join us as we talk Nancy Drew cover to cover and click to click. Welcome to regular Nancy Drew. First impressions. We were right last week. That is best standing up at the top of the set. Yeah. Good call. It was not as exciting as the last one. I thought it was really boring. Yeah. <laughs> there wasn't there wasn't as much action going on. I felt it was very quick. I feel like I remember Nancy Drew books being a little bit longer when I was younger, but sure. probably just because I was used to reading shorter books back then. But right. it did feel kind of brief in, in how it was laid out, but yeah, I thought it was just, I don't like, yeah, boring, but also like, I just felt like the mystery wasn't super compelling. Like, I just wasn't like, I felt like all of the, the clues and all of like the individual things were all really, they all felt very like isolated mm-hmm. and it wasn't really obvious how they all fit together. And then when they did fit together, it felt kind of forced and just kind of random. Three words. Describe it in three words, Corey. What what words would you use? French? No. Yeah. No. France. <laughs> Finance. I'll, I'll say brief, just because it felt so yeah. quick the way that they laid it out. Or they. Yeah. We had one author this time. Unlike Shadow Ranch, there's not two versions of this book. Yeah. I wonder if, like last time, we're going to have differences in our copies, if there's any slight changes. Well, let's see. So this um, book was published in, let me see. I believe it was first published in 1966. Yes. Mine's a 2000 printing. 2000? Mine too is 2000. Okay. Yeah. So likely not. Likely they are the same version. What did you, so yeah, we talked a little bit about the cover last time, but anything else interesting to remark upon right now? I wonder if you counted all those steps if there'd actually be 99. I was about to say, I haven't actually counted it, but I was wondering <laughs> earlier. It's kind of hard to see how many steps are behind George. Six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. That's <laughs> way too much work. I got to say that Nancy looks much different on this cover than I feel like she looked on uh, Shadow Ranch's cover. First of all, she's blonde. She's blonde she on this cover, yeah. which we did we did talk about last time. But also, like, something about her face is much more, well, obviously, it's it's front facing and so it's very distinguished there um and she has such a an interesting look on her face very determined and almost kind of smirky she's got almost a little bit of a smirk going on she knows exactly what she's going to find behind that door she totally does that that is a nancy that knows what she is about Mm -hmm. on this cover it is george just looks concerned (laughs) he does yes She's like, what is this? Where are we going? I'm not sure I should have followed you. I should have stayed back with Bess. <laughs> Honestly, we're all Bess. We're all Bess in this in this scenario. If I, if, if I, I mean, one, I have been, I've been to France one time. Mm-hmm. But, but if I went to France now, 100%, all I would be doing is what the things Bess does in this book, which is be excited about the next meal she's going to eat mm-hmm. and want to go sightseeing. Yeah, that's it. Want to spend more time at the Louvre? Yes. <laughs> Bess is truly relatable in this book, I found. 
Because they, we still get a lot of best criticism. Oh, we sure do. I think there's one part where Bess isn't even in the scene and Mr. Drew is still making snarky comments. Like, oh, doesn't he order? My gosh. And he's like, Bess would love this if she were here. Yes. Because there's yes. present. We have to make up the snide remark about Bess. I, okay. We should get into it because I have so much to say about Carson in this book. I have yeah. so much to say. So let's start with yeah. Carson. Let's, well, yeah, let's start, let's start at the beginning. Okay. Do we want to go yeah. chapter by chapter or do you want to say what you're about to say first? No, let's, yeah, let's, let's go chapter by chapter. And I'm sure I will get to my feelings about Carson as, okay. as we go. <laughs> best. I hope that this isn't going to be that much of a recurring theme. I know that they're going to probably do it a lot, but. Well, this is book 43. And so I imagine that <laughs> it's probably, it's probably been like this. Uh, all the way through. So mm-hmm. I, after, I mean, at some point in time, we're gonna, you know, move on to books from different series and I'm really excited to see, I'm still really loving, you know, rereading all of these um, Nancy Drew mystery stories, but mm-hmm. I'm also really excited to see how other series take the approach to best. Because <laughs> um, I'm just so sick of the fat shaming. I'm just so, mm-hmm. so over it. So over it. Okay. We start off in River Heights and Nancy is talking to her friends about a mystery that she is about to solve, which I thought was kind of a weird opening because typically we start off before the mystery and then the mystery gets introduced through some kind of investigation or some other character comes in to tell us about it. But this time Nancy is telling us about the mystery which she has already been introduced to. So I just thought that was a little bit strange. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's part of why I felt so uninterested in the mystery yeah. in this book. It's also based off of a dream, which is like, really, like, I mean, like a lady had a dream. Like what? I'm so, like, I'm sorry. What is, what is the mystery? I, and then I guess I, you know, I realized that she then got a note, which was like related to the dream, which is certainly mysterious and weird, but mm-hmm. it seems like, you know, how do you know this has something to do with France and and why is it so important that you go to France to solve this mystery? Surely whoever wrote the note is in River Heights, which he is. And it just seemed like it just seemed like there was a lot there was a, a lot of weird stuff happening at the beginning for Nancy mm-hmm. to just be like, well, okay, going to France. <laughs> yeah. Nancy just also seems very certain for no real reason that the mysteries are connected which we know that they're going to be connected but yeah that's a great point that is a great point okay what else happens in chapter one? Oh, so according to chapter one uh she is tish and haired still so yeah. i don't know if maybe the illustrator you know took titian to mean something else and that's why she's blonde on the cover but she is still supposed to be tish and haired so that tracks with earlier earlier books I wonder if the illustrator is the same person for the covers. I tried to find I tried to find the illustrator, the name of the illustrator, and I couldn't for this one. Um, so I don't know. That's interesting. So if any of our listeners know, um, have information about the illustrators of all of uh, these books or specific bu- books, we would love to hear it, particularly if it's The Mystery of the 99 Steps. Um, what else happens in Chapter 1? Oh, so we have the dream explained. So 
this woman who lives in River Heights, Mrs. Josette Blair, tells Nancy that every night she wakes up from a nightmare that she's about to fall down this really long flight of stairs. She's blindfolded and someone is whispering 99 steps to her. She actually grew up in France and she remembers that this 99 steps thing really did happen. She just doesn't remember where or when. So she's asked Nancy to look into it since she's going to France anyway to help Carson with his mystery. And... Uh, so we're we're introduced to the Bardot sisters, uh, Marie and Monique, who are, I guess, what we're supposed to think about when we think of French girls. <laughs> Good singers, very attractive, as, as they're always described. Travel around with old-timey French costumes, just ready to perform with the a drop of a hat. Oh, there's a performance tonight? I'll be there. <laughs> we just happen to have our costumes. So the sisters are there to do a exchange program. They're swapping places with Nancy. They are the daughters of the sister of the woman with the dream. Is that right? Yes. That is their aunt. Yes. The daughters are going to stay at Nancy's house. Nancy's going to go stay at their house. Yeah. Let's see. What else do we want to talk about with chapter one? She talked about uh, Monsieur Neuf. I don't know, Corey, you speak French. How, how do you say that? I speak French. I thought it was Neuf. Uh, I I am trying to learn French, but it's not going very well. (laughs) I've gotten some of the Nancy Drew games in French. I thought that would help me to learn because I've played the game so many times. I thought it would be like, you know, they say read a children's book that you already know really well in the new language to learn it. Mm -mm. (laughs) Not working? Not learned anything, except that it's confusing to, to try to solve puzzles in French when you don't speak that language, so... I can I cannot imagine. Okay. So Mr. Nine, we'll call it Mr. Nine. And yeah, talks about the the creepy note that she got after she had that dream. But then a helicopter flies over their house, which is like, what? And hot ash and cinders fly all over Nancy. And of course she's fine. Of course she's fine. Nothing happened. She's good. This is the least of her worries in this mystery and her injuries. <laughs> and honestly, the least consequential part of this whole thing, just so random. It's like, okay, by the way, a helicopter flew really low and, and it almost hurt Nancy, but it didn't. And it also has no bearing on the mystery at all. Uh, we just we just wanted to put it in there to, to you know, show some a little drama. bit of danger, some drama. Yeah. But then we have a visitor come to the door and he hands Nancy a, a threatening note. Who hand delivers a threat? That's a great point. (laughs) Who does that? And why did he think, I'm just going to hand this to her and watch her open it, and it'll be fine. I'll have gotten away by the time she reads this four-word threat. (laughs) Stay out of France. What's that about? So, spoiler alert, this dude is (laughs) uh, the brother of a con man, and neither of them, in my opinion, seem very smart. No. (laughs) Does not seem like a good con to me. Are they both con men? One's a con man, one's a forger, right? Right. Which, I mean, essentially, yeah. Is, yeah. Right. And they're twins. Yes, they're twins. They're twins. A lot of, again, a lot of emphasis on food, on Hannah's cooking. We do we do see Hannah Gruen, uh, Nancy's housekeeper, in this. All we know about Hannah is that she's been around for a long time. Um, she's a really good cook. Um, Nancy has a really close relationship with her and takes steps to always kind of keep her informed of what's going on with her mysteries and where she is and all of that. 
and I kind of feel bad for Hannah because <laughs> I feel like, I mean, I know that she is their, their housekeeper, but it seems like, wh- why can't Hannah go to France? <laughs> yeah. Why can't Hannah come along? Okay. And so after the hot ash and uh, her fire basically exploding, her getting a threatening note from a mysterious stranger who she suspects uh, may be Mr. Nine. That's all that happens in, in chapter one. Yes. Chapter two, she drives Bess and George home. In the process of that, almost runs over a man in the street. Mm-hmm. And Nancy gets a weird vibe from it. And she's like, oh, no, I'm going to I'm gonna keep going. I'm not going to stop because this seems like some sort of trick. Um, so she drives away, finds a cop, and tells him to go look after him. But it's, it's the man. It's the threatening note man. Yeah. Off in front of Nancy's car. One interesting thing I found about this chapter was that, so it, it's right after she receives the, the threatening note, and she seems kind of freaked out by it, which I thought was bizarre. Mm-hmm. She says, so she's talking to Miss Blair on the phone. She's telling her about the note and whatever. And Miss Blair is, is being very nice and is like, I don't want you to take any undue risks for me. And then it says, Nancy replied in as lighthearted a tone as she could muster. Oh, don't worry, Miss Blair. I must take risks when solving a mystery. But so it seems like if she was trying to muster a lighthearted tone, she wasn't feeling very lighthearted about it. She shaped up. Yeah, which for what the what the message was, which was just stay out of France, Mr. Nine. Why is Nancy scared of this? Nancy has been in so many more scary situations at this point like a threatening note is scaring you nancy really mm-hmm. what's going on a note about a dream as well yeah which how would how would the the note giver know about this dream mm-hmm. unless mrs blair is going around telling the whole world right i'm having this dream about the 99 steps yeah it just seems like a lot of the things that are like the drama and like the heightened like it's all it's all kind of manufactured to to make us feel which i mean you know it all it of course it is you know it's it's a mystery series but this one does not it doesn't work very well for no. in my opinion it does not work very well yeah i it, it feels it feels fake it does something else happens in this chapter oh we find out about the helicopter oh so. yes that was weird all that build up for <laughs> for it being nothing oh well paperwork was forged and so yeah. we a helicopter over your house yeah they go to the airport and nancy i guess that's also where you can inquire about all aircrafts aircrafts including helicopters and nancy talks to some random dude and is like oh yeah we're installing a helipad on your house and nancy's like oh what (laughs) and yeah they find out that some someone forged a letter saying that they were building a helipad on nancy's house nancy's residential house and no one questions this (laughs) She doesn't pursue any of this. She's just like, that makes sense. Goodbye. Yeah. And and yeah, they don't, she doesn't, she doesn't pursue it. She doesn't even tell the cops about it. She just is like, okay, forged letter for someone to build a helipad on our house. Guess I'm going to France. So yeah, in chapter three, we, we find a little bit more about Monsieur Neuf, um, that his first name is Claude, because the Bardot sisters remember him. Yeah, they, t- they tell the, um, the chief about him, and like, you need to be on the lookout for him. It's not said outright until later on, but Nancy speaks French. 
Yes. That she just fluently speaks French, and so do Bess and George, and looks yeah. like Carson does as well. So I've started a list at the back of my notebook that is Nancy's skills. Okay, so um, this is my running list <laughs> from, from Shadow Ranch to now. So knitting, calming angry dogs, horseback riding, baking from memory, square dancing, speaking French, um, and later in the book, saving small children from accidents. Uh, oh, so, yeah. um, so I'm keeping, I'm keeping up with it so that at the end we can talk about all the things that Nancy is, is able to do. Many, many skills. Okay. Well, in chapter three, we see Chief McGinnis. Chief McGinnis, yes. obviously not the first time in the entire series, but the first book that we're covering with Chief McGinnis in it. And I gotta say, I'm a Chief McGinnis fan. Mm-hmm. I love me a good Chief McGinnis. I don't remember a lot about him from the books. And he, I mean, he doesn't take a large part in this book either. He's just kind of, he's just kind of there to support Nancy, which I appreciate and pretty much just take all direction from Nancy as far as like tracking down this Claude guy. And I mean, he does have helpful things to contribute to himself, like getting in touch with, you know, immigration and, or whoever (laughs) to try to figure out how this person entered the country. But like, aside Mm -hmm. from that, it's pretty much like, call us if you need us, Nancy, <laughs> yeah. which is such a nice position to be in, I guess. Have the police department at your beck and call. He is very supportive of Nancy. Do we get any description of him? Because I didn't, I didn't see it. I think we do. Um, and I was really curious as to how he would be described, but I didn't see any kind of any kind of description. So I'm I'm curious to maybe go back into some some of the other books and see maybe when the first time it is that we meet him and how he's like described physically. Because mm-hmm. you know, all I can can picture is uh, the Chief McGinnis that we see in Alibi and Ashes, and you know, which is like a stereotypical mustachioed. He has a mustache, right? I think yeah, mustachioed and kind of big bellied police chief that's what i was picturing when i was reading this so yeah um so i'm interested to see what that what that representation was like back in the in the 60s mm-hmm. speaking of characters in this book no ned still no ned in this no story. ned no ned and nancy does go on a little bit of a date later which we'll talk about um and and no mention of ned at all mm-hmm. which is interesting because i know at this i know at this point in the books he had to have been mentioned before even with even considering my the mistake in my printing of Secret of Shadow Rant. Oh, yeah. Maybe they weren't like a couple couple like we thought. Maybe they were just kind of dating. Casually seeing one casually another dating. sometimes. But when Nancy's on a mystery, who knows? Yeah. I'm interested to learn more about Ned and Nancy's relationship and what exactly it's supposed to be. What exactly are the terms of this relationship, Ned? I feel like I remember them being like boyfriend, girlfriend, yeah. like steady, yeah. going steady, pinned, yeah. you know, kind of a kind of a letterman jacket thing. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Ned. Poor Ned. So neglected. So neglected. I actually I have secret opinions about Ned. I actually hate Ned, but ooh, I'm sure we'll talk about that later. <laughs> I'm not a well, Ned I'm fan. A book with a lot of Ned in it so we can get all of our Ned talk. I think so. My opinion is that Nancy should be free of a boyfriend so that she can travel about the world and experience boys in every country. Um, but apparently, 
you know, dating Ned or being, you know, whatever the relationship she has with Ned does not prevent her from doing that. So maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> Going to the ball with Henri and on boat rides and car drives and square dancing. Oh, wait, that was Shatterhand. That was Shatterhand. <laughs> not to jump ahead, but we never hear from Henry again after mm. after he helps her. Just, Does he help her? No, I have. I have. <laughs> oh, well. He follows her around while she she helps herself, basically. But yeah. Um, so in chapter three, back to chapter three. We get introduced to this whole alchemy concept that mm. is going to be pretty consistent throughout the story. Right. What is the what is the green lion? And the Marie and Monique go to perform their madrigals at the Teeners Club for the Towners Club. I'll never get over that. <laughs> it's too good. I'll never get over that. And uh, the mysterious man, Claude Aubert, shows up and Nancy chases him outside um, to try to try to do what? I don't know. Follow him, I guess. Stop him from doing whatever shenanigans he is going to be doing. <laughs> oh, uh, so again, in chapter three, I found that, like, there's a lot of faff about their outfits. Mm hmm. You know, talking about the, oh, where was it? Oh, yeah. What uh, what Hannah changed into her navy blue, her becoming navy blue dress, and all of the emphasis that we put on making sure that we as the reader know that every, literally every female character in this book is attractive. Don't worry. They're pretty. Don't worry <laughs> that they're wearing a nice dress. Rest assured that that they're not going around looking a mess. They're 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 looking beautiful. The author loves the word attractive. Yes, yes, attractive girls. Her attractive teeth. I don't even. Her, yeah, her attractive hair. Her attractive outfit. Yeah, literally. That's yeah. That's exactly. That's that's exactly the description. Yeah, and then the random interlude about alchemy that I'm sure will have no significance at all later. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then we're at chapter four. And this is where they're at the performance, right? Yes. Yes. So Nancy's just said, quick, get the police before he leaves. And now they're going to chase him after the performance. We learn in, in this chapter that uh, mysterious Frenchman Claude has black eyes, which is described in that way, which I'm sure is, is not, not to say that his eyes are actually black, but try to describe how scary he's looking. But yeah. I just thought it was so... Such a like, why, like, why is that necessary? I think it's again one of those things that they try to try to put in there to make us feel really frightened about this. But I didn't feel frightened at all. I just felt like, like, what is going on? Yeah, it was, it was a little confusing. So they do. So they do eventually capture. They they are able to find Claude Aubert after. Um, he tries to break into their house, Nancy's house, and their burglar alarm goes off. And the police find, have found him trying to break into her house because they had followed him from the school dance mm -hmm. or school performance or whatever that was. <laughs> and so they find him and then they're just like basically just interrogating this guy in Nancy's living room, I guess, mm -hmm. which I thought was kind of bizarre. Very strange for the police to be like, all right, let's go inside now. Take this man to the police station where he's not going to get away from you again. Right. 
And so, yeah, I was interested because they did, I, I mean, they don't say this, they could have done this, but they don't say this, but they didn't apparently Mirandize him. And mm-hmm. so I looked it up <laughs> because this was also a plot point in the Emma Roberts, Nancy Drew movie where she wanders across a film set um, in Hollywood and a guy's reading Miranda writes and she goes up to the director and she's like, um, actually Miranda rights were not around at this time. And so I was like, Oh, I wonder if this was before Miranda rights. Mm-hmm. And I looked it up and fun fact, Miranda rights were actually established the actual year. This was published 1960. Wow. Yeah. So it was probably not, not in, in practice just, just yet. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. They could just grab you up off the street. Mm-hmm. Ask you whatever you want. I mean, they still do, but yeah. <laughs> so we get another threatening note. Yes. Beware, Mister Nine. And Nancy's like, "That's fine. I'm going to go to bed now." And then we wake up, and the burglar alarm is going off again. We've got another but, break. So Nancy actually has a dream when she goes to bed. Mm-hmm. She has a dream about people in old-fashioned costumes she calls them and a ruin ruins of a chateau and bells ringing which i bells ringing lustily mm-hmm. <laughs> that was strange but that but then it's just because she's realizing that the bell there's actually an alarm bell ringing and so yes so she wakes up because their burglar alarm is going off again have we talked about carson's mystery yet i don't know if we've addressed him we know about the 99 steps right. dream no we didn't really we didn't really address him yet so at the beginning, Nancy is inviting Bess and George to go to France with her because they want to look into or help Carson look into his mystery. But while they're there, they're also going to be looking into Mrs. Blair's dream about the 99 steps nightmare, whatever it is. Do you want to talk about the frightened financier? Yeah. Um, honestly, I felt myself skimming. <laughs> Not caring at all. About Not caring problem. at all about this. But there's this guy in France that, Carson was hired to kind of investigate and they weirdly hired Carson because they thought that like hiring a detective would be too obvious or like uh, would be too suspicious. And so they hire a lawyer who then hires his daughter who is a detective, whatever. Not even a French lawyer who would know French laws around finance, an American lawyer. Anyway, they hire an American lawyer from the Midwest a small Midwest town to come to France and investigate this guy who is being just kind of shady and suspicious. And what did he sell off? He like sold or he's, he's threatening to sell his company. And there's like other weird money stuff going on with him that honestly, I just, I could care less about. His business partners are just suspicious and say, right. Hey, come check it out. And Nancy is certain right away that these two mysteries are connected, that there's some connection between uh, Mr. LeBlanc is his name, I believe, the financier and the 99 steps from Mrs. Blair's nightmares. Well, so I think the reason that why why she thinks that or why we're supposed to think that she thinks that there is a connection is because people start or the, the notes start becoming warning Nancy off of going to France. And so obviously she was invited to France by Carson to help with his mystery. So so she's I think we're supposed to believe that that is you know, they're warning her off of it because they don't want her to investigate that. And because Mrs. Uh, Blair, Josette Blair, who originally had the dream, also got a similar note. So it's like, 
okay, so the notes are obviously connected. And the Mm. second note was telling me to not go to France. So the first note must also be about something going on in France. Makes sense. It's not, it's not exactly straightforward. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, okay, so we have the second break-in. Nancy's got the alarm bells going off, and this is when they go outside and are obsessed with finding footprints, but they can't find any because there are stilt prints. This man has been <laughs> walking around on stilts with his giant poster with the threatening note on it. That Why? Was- Why on earth? What is with the stilts? And we never get an explanation for that. It's not like he's trying to reach a second-floor window or something. It just mm-hmm. seems like maybe he's doing that purposefully to conceal his footprints. Like, that's the only potential explanation that I can see. But we never get that for sure. We don't know why. We never know why he's on stilts. We, yeah, we never get any sort of, do you think the intruder meant to steal something? I did that. Or he meant to harm us. That's it. That's the end of the mention <laughs> of the stilts. <laughs> yeah, and eventually at the end when they when they do, you know, capture claw or or search his stuff or whatever, they find that he had stilts. Mm-hmm. So it was obviously him, but we don't, we don't get an explanation as to what the stilts had to do with this. <laughs> Hasn't he been arrested already? Yeah, but I think, I don't know if he escapes. I'm, I don't remember exactly what happens, but or they like find his car or something and they find stilts at some point, but. And then they go back into the house. They're like, whatever, we can't find him in his stilts. And there's a threatening poster on her car. This mm-hmm. is Beware the Green Lion, which is a reference to the alchemy that they were talking about in the earlier chapter. Yeah. And then it's like, and then after that, it's basically like, after Nancy talks to the detectives, she's like, okay, oh, well, going to bed, going to France tomorrow slash today. See you later. And that's it. You French girls will be fine here with all these threats going around. Hannah, you'll be fine. Oh, oh, oh. it's bizarre. But then Nancy goes to France and we don't get a lot of their travel. We just know that they get on a plane to go to New York and then they fly to France from New York. And Carson picks them up from the airport um, in a taxi and takes them to the hotel Oh, no, sorry, not yet, right? They, they go to go, Notre Dame first, right? They go to Notre Dame first, yes. Um, and Notre Dame, sorry, they go to Notre Dame first. He said Notre Dame. <laughs> and I get it so confused, anyway. <laughs> well, that's how you said the name of the football team. I don't blame you. It is, and I can't remember which one's the football team and which one's the real building in France. <laughs> Notre Dame is the way Notre Dame. the football team, Notre Dame. They go to Notre Dame first. Um, this is also where we find out that Claude Aubert um, has an identical twin. Claude Aubert is the man who delivers the threatening note when they're right. in the United States. And what is his name? Louis? Oh, yeah. Actually, I don't know that we do. I don't think we get his name in this chapter. Um, it's just that Nancy thinks that he has a twin. See Claude. <laughs> yeah. But it's not. It's just a man who looks like him that's been following them through Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Again in this chapter, so after they leave Notre Dame, he... Did I say it wrong again? <laughs> oh, God. I don't sorry. know. So... <laughs> so much for those French lessons. <laughs> so much for your Duolingo practice. <laughs> anyway, sorry I interrupted you there. It's okay. Um, so after they leave Notre Dame, they go to a restaurant 
And even Carson gets in on the fat shaming Bess. Or he and Nancy go to a a cafe. And he says, oh, wouldn't Bess be goggle-eyed over this pastry? So thanks for that, Carson. Like, no one even asked. No one mentioned Bess. But we see food, so we have to use that opportunity to take a swipe at Bess for no reason. Yeah, and also by Nancy's father, who... Should not be commenting on the physique of an 18-year-old girl. This is your daughter's friend. Like, what are you doing, you creepy old man? I have more to say about him being a creepy old man in a later chapter. (laughs) And even just making disparaging comments about Nancy's friend to her. That's not, Nancy's not a gossiper. That's not who she is. Now she's sitting here hearing this from her father, who's not only doing that, but also making it about her body as well. Right. Creepy. Gross. So at the end of this chapter, though, it was really interesting. They regroup with Bess and George, and they're about to go back to the hotel. And Bess spots uh, mysterious Mr. Nine, and they're going to go try to follow him again. But what I thought was so was super interesting about that part is that for the majority of the book in all that we read in Shadow Ranch, all of the narration um, focuses on Nancy's thoughts and like Nancy's like kind of inner dialogue or whatever. But this time it it's flips and it's focuses on Bess's. And I have, haven't seen that before. And it happens again later in the book when Bess and George are kind of on their own. We get a little bit of narration that's about like their, their inner thoughts. So I yeah. thought that was, that was interesting. I didn't even really notice that, but I, I, I did think that Bess and George were taking more of a, a front row seat position in solving the mystery. They were actually part of it and not right. just, along for the ride even the detectives refer to all of them as amateur detectives not just nancy and her friends nice i didn't recognize that yeah nice Bess and george finally getting some credit (laughs) um okay so chapter seven this is it is definitely the twin they chase him Uh, the policeman tells tells them that he knows who claude albert is and we question the guy at the apartment. They go to find where Claude Aubert was living. His former residence in Paris. And they're talking to, I guess, like the doorman. Yes. And this is where we find out that his twin's name is Louis. But mm-hmm. not before. They take a just a quick, just shortest of little quick pit stops at the Louvre. <laughs> just look at the Mona Lisa and we're out of here. Honestly. Even just, well, I mean, obviously... We live in a much different time now. There's probably a, a lot more security at the Louvre now than there was in 1960, I would imagine. But just to get inside the Louvre and get to the Mona Lisa takes at least an hour. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what this short little jaunt was, was how it was accomplished, but um, it was awfully, it was awfully quick. Yeah, and they also talk about, um, I don't know if they actually go and look at them, but they do talk about um, seeing other statues. They talk about the Venus de Milo. Um, they talk about uh, Winged Victory. And so it seems like if you're going to go see all of those things, which are in drastically different parts of the museum, it's a big place. It's a massive place. You're not just going to do that. that. That takes like a whole afternoon, at least, if not a full day. So... I thought that was, sorry. Bess even comments, she's like, oh, if we were to look at all this, it would take us a week. But no, let's just go in, look at three things and leave. Just so you know, Nancy's culture, you know, <sighs> she has her art history knowledge. And we're good. Let's move on from the lip and go, go stalk 
clogged. So disappointing. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it would not be super interesting for us to sit here and listen to uh, Nancy's, you know, experience at the crepes loop. through the loop. But it's how this fictional character experienced a museum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, but they go, so they go to Claude Aubert's apartment, figure out his twin's name is Louis from the concierge. The concierge uh, lets them up there, but they can't go in because somebody lives there currently. Um, so it's kind of weird, but Nancy uh, makes a point to count the steps, um, but it is not 99 steps. Oh, no. So there were, the total was 99 steps. <laughs> there were 99 steps up to Claude Aubert's apartment. But just for some reason, Nancy knows that this isn't the right 99 steps. So let's move on. Yeah. And then they get into a car accident. Oh, yeah. Nancy's in a car accident. Yeah. And just shakes it off and is like, I guess I'll be fine with some ice. Mm -hmm. Escaped with no, nothing broken is what it said. And so apparently that is the determining factor of whether or not you're okay. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess they're they're getting out of the taxi, and right as they're getting out, somebody else slams into the back of it and throws Nancy onto the pavement. Mm-hmm. But she's just fine; like she's clearly very injured. But she she's got a hefty bruise. A lot. She probably has a head injury. Yeah. And she's just she ins- she's so insistent that she's fine. To be fair, she is seen by a doctor, and the doctor says that she is okay. Um, but even best in George. So I think they say somewhere George says that she's like. George is rubbing her neck. Mm-hmm. So George is George got bumped too. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, they uh, move on from that pretty quickly after a quick check over by a doctor who just happens to be at the party. Oh yeah. We're going to a party. We have to get glamorous now after our car accident. We're going to a party at Monsieur Tremaine's house. Mm-hmm. He is the guy that hired Carson to investigate the financier. Right. And so we're going to go investigate him at this party. Right. But it's so funny because they, so they had gotten dressed up, they got in the taxi, they got in the accident, they get to the party. And then when they get up, they, the, who is it? The butler or uh, whoever it is that admits them into the house, the doorman doorman, admits them into the house. And it's like, Oh, he saw the accident. It was like, Oh, please go upstairs. There's a doctor. I'll send him up or whatever. So they get upstairs and more time is spent after being checked out by the doctor. More time is spent talking about them freshening up and like, oh, um, brushing off her dress and new makeup and reapplying their makeup and everything. Um, Then time is spent on the doctor examining them. Yes. (laughs) Almost more time on their outfits and makeup than on the party itself. (laughs) Yes. Yes. But now we meet the Tremaines and we go into the party um, and this is where our first outright racism happens. <laughs> so yeah, they start off. They start off by describing this person as a man in Arabian dress, which is, I think, a great way to start off. Yes, <laughs> as describing him. If only they could have maintained that, because then after that they move on to call him the Arab. And they repeatedly call him just the Arab, not the Arab man. Not the person who looked Arab, the person who might have been Arab, um, which is interesting because we do eventually find out that he is, in fact, not Arab. Right. He is a white man, Louis Albert. We, we still refer to him as the Arab, though, when he's we wearing do. that. His, his, I don't want to say costume, but he's using it as a costume, as a disguise mm-hmm. at this party. Yeah, we, we still refer to him as that. 
even after it is discovered his real name. Yeah, and his real identity. Yes, they still refer to him as the Arab, which is like, you know who he is. You know he's a French man wearing, literally wearing a mustache and beard. Like, what? It's disappointing. It's very disappointing. It's definitely disappointing. It adds nothing to the plot. Right. He could have just worn a fake mustache and called it good. Yeah. And also it seems like he didn't even necessarily need to disguise himself to get into this party because I don't think anyone aside from the uh, financier, Amosher LeBlanc, knew him. So it's just, yeah, it's very odd. It seems very unnecessary in a lot of ways. I think we should have yet a third iteration of the Nancy Drew books be published. I think they should do another rewrite. Yeah. I think we could do it. I think we should rewrite these books. Oh my gosh. The way they should, not really, but I think we should discuss how we would rewrite them. Maybe in a future podcast episode. But so, so there's that racist moment. And this is where we dance with the other guy at the party. Yes. Henri. Which, by the way, in the illustrations, he looks exactly like Chuck Bass with his bow tie and his little short cropped dark hair. He looked like Chuck Bass to me. But so there's a, a really great illustration on page 71 that covers that spans two pages. And I think we have to talk about this one because Louis Aubert, who is getting away in the car, is in process of taking off his um, disguise. And it literally looks like he was wearing a full face mask. In the book, it just describes him as wearing a fake mustache and fake beard. But in this illustration, it looks like he is holding up a full, a complete head. Yes. Yeah. When you have a fake mustache, you would think to remove it, you would just peel it off. This looks like one, one piece. It's still in the same shape as it would have been on his face. Yeah. And it looks like from this illustration that it is a darker skin tone on that on that face mask so literally this dude or i somehow either created this mask or found this mask that was a mask of just a an arab man's head like how disgusting is that that is so weird it's such a bizarre thing to incorporate into this plot for no reason yeah it's so interesting living in the time that we live now uh and experiencing uh these books that were you know obviously written in the 60s it's just it's just very different okay we see him speed away nancy tries to catch him at the dance but they never do catch up to him this guy henry that asked her to dance follows her tries to help her nothing comes up so they just go back into the party and then decide to leave. Is yeah. that right? That's Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, they talk to the Tremaines a little bit, but then, and they talk about the mystery a little bit, but then eventually they go back to the hotel. And Carson kisses all of the girls goodnight. <laughs> I, yeah. And now I'm sure, I'm sure it just means that he kissed them, you know, on the cheek or whatever, which could have been sweet. I guess he's probably known these girls for a long time or whatever, but it was so creepy to me. To think, okay, think like we were best friends when we were young. If your dad kissed me on the cheek, that would still be really (laughs) Good Lord. I can't imagine like going over to your house for a sleepover or something and then having your dad come and kiss me goodnight. (laughs) Not appropriate. Yeah. Inappropes, creepy, creepy Carson. 
Maybe maybe we need a we need like a, a theme song for for creepy Carson. <laughs> Just a play whenever Carson's being creepy. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, so chapter ten. In this chapter, there is a whole conversation about Bess's um, meal choice, um, and George actually won't let her have soup. She basically is like, Bess, you can't eat that much food. And Bess is like, okay. Yeah, it says, as a compromise, Bess says she's not going to have the soup. Bess, you do not need to compromise with anyone about anything, especially not what you're going to have for dinner. I I feel like I'll get off my soapbox at some point, but I will never not be annoyed at how much um, they fat shame Bess just all the time. It's It's just really nonstop in this book, and there's really just no way to... Uh, ignore it. So in this chapter, they are visiting um, LeBlanc's house because they think that um, Louis might have been heading there to meet him. And they go to kind of investigate his house. Quick question. It says, Mr. Drew locked the ignition and took the key. Does locking the ignition mean turning off the car? I've never heard the fra- that phrase before. I hadn't even noticed that, honestly. I'm not sure. All of these, all these weird '60s or, or, or like old, old-fashioned phrases always jump out to me because I'm just like, I, I don't know what that, what that's supposed to mean. Um, but I would imagine it means turn off the car. Yeah. So they park the car and they go to investigate his house. So again, in this chapter, we do get some uh, narration from Bess and George because they kind of split up. Nancy and Carson go look one way, and Bess and George go look another. Um, and so we do get some interesting narration of Bess and George's kind of inner inner thoughts or whatever. Basically, they just get freaked out. They get chased by a dog. They hear Monster LeBlanc talk to someone on the phone about um, that he's going to meet someone in an orange garden. Yes. Yes. So now they have to go find out what that orange garden is and where and when they're going to meet there. Yeah. There's also this whole thing about the number nine as we go through this book. It's somehow associated with the alchemy thing at the beginning. We've got Mr. Nine. Um, everything has to add up to nine. So the time and date where they would meet up has to equal nine. Yeah, but I don't think we ever get that explanation until the very end. So it's all very mysterious. Like we do see a lot of like significant nine numbers like 18 and a 99 and yeah, nine. And so it's just like, well, you know, we're, are we supposed to know what that means? Or are we just supposed to be slightly spooked by the coincidences of numbers? Because it just seems really random. Um, But this is when they go to the lore Valley. They, yeah, they, so that happens. And then that's literally it. And then they go to the lore Valley. So it just seems like they're they're investigating and they get a clue, but it's like the priority isn't the mystery or following the clues of the mystery. The the priority is your itinerary. Right. <laughs> we don't know where the orange garden is, but now it's time to go to the Bardos, so see you later, Dad. <laughs> yeah. Um, which to a certain extent I understand, you know, like you you have to be somewhere you said you were going to be, or you made an agreement to go visit these people. So you gotta, you gotta go. But it just seems like surely Nancy, Nancy in other situations has come across as being incredibly single-minded and it just Mm -hmm. seems like she just doesn't care. Yeah. (laughs) Just seems like, great, fine. I'm going, going to sightsee, stay at the Bardot Chateau. Yeah. 
Oh, we get a letter from Hannah from home. Mm-hmm. The the Bardot sisters are doing well. Josette Blair has another dream uh-huh. about the 99 steps, but we remember the name of the governess that was taking care of her at this time, which is Lucille Manon. Mm-hmm. Or Manon? I think Manon, yeah. So then there's that. And then they drive. <laughs> and they just happen to drive past Versailles. They don't actually go in. They just paused briefly to look at it as they drive past and then make it to the Bardot Chateau. And then they talk to them. And again, they're, the girl's perfect conversational French is mentioned. And Monsieur Bardot tells them to only speak in French because for some reason it'll help their sleuthing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I don't, no I don't get. But I mean, I guess probably because people will take them more seriously or maybe think potentially that they are French. I don't know. But we also meet Fifi, the poodle, miniature poodle. She's got her own bed. Yeah, weird emphasis placed on her her dog bed and nothing ever comes of that. It's never mentioned again. It's just like, oh, there's this this really cool, like they describe it really well. They're like the square frame, blue satin cushion, gilded wood, arched canopy, blue velvet, blue and white striped satin. Like it, it's incredibly descriptive and it's no significance. It just seems like this book is very poorly edited. Yes. Like you should, that, that would have been a situation in which you should have trimmed that just a yeah. little bit. A little bit. They talk to them a little bit about the the progress they've made towards um, solving uh, her sister's mystery and about who she thinks left the messages. They ask them about the orange garden and they tell um, them about a spot at Versailles and that there's a place in Versailles called the, well, I'm not even going to try to pronounce Orangery. it. That, but that also like a certain flight of stairs that's 103, oh, oh. 100 steps. Um, and Nancy's like, oh, that's close enough to 99, which turns out, I guess, to be kind of right because they do <laughs> go there and um, they tour Versailles and everything and they go to the steps and there is a message on the 99th step. So it, it's it's truly bizarre because <laughs> there's 99 steps 99 steps to Claude Aubert's apartment, 99 steps in this orange grove at Versailles. And eventually later, you know, we find the actual 99 steps that are, that is referenced. So it just seems like, so there are multiple steps of 99 steps that are significant. Mm -hmm. And the message that they leave on the 99th step is M9 referencing Mr. Nine. Why leave the message on the 99th step? It's yeah, it's it's some kind of weird significance to to the these uh, con men um, or this con man. Um, but then in the next chapter, or kind of at the end of that, can we talk about the ending of this yeah, chapter? Yeah, yeah. Yes. A cartoon kidnapping of George Fane. <laughs> she gets she gets like caned off stage. <laughs> Exit George stage left. Some dude yanks her neck with a cane. She goes to check out the message on the steps, sees a door, and then someone just comes through with a hook through that door. We don't even see who. Grabs her and pulls her inside and locks the door so that Nancy cannot come after her. This book starts off with a dream, and I'm pretty sure that actually the whole book in itself is a fever dream. Because when I read this... He's plays after that car accident Nancy's in. She just got a head injury, and this is all Nancy's, like rambling imaginings of of what's actually happening 
Too good. So they go into Versailles. Nancy tries to, to get in. She talks to a security guard um, who does let her in after some pleading and convincing. Um, they find the the guy gets away, but they find George asleep, unconscious on uh, Louis the Fourteenth's bed or Nate bed, which just seems like I mean I I went to Versailles and I don't think that that's that's possible. I don't think you could just regardless of whether or not Versailles is closed. I think there's probably security that that still would stop you from being there. I guess it's the 60s, so they probably didn't have security cameras at this point. I don't know. But then we um, we get George awake. The doctor comes and looks at her. She's okay. Another doctor. Another injury. And then a, a piece of paper flies out of George's shirt. So this bad guy has been reaching into George's clothing to leave scary messages. Gross. Which is scarier than the message itself. Yes, which is just <laughs> mind your own business, basically. Yeah. Signed, the Red King, who a reference to alchemy. The Red King is gold. They ask about whether or not the guards at Versailles know who Louis Aubert is. Guards are like, no, we don't. But we'll take this threatening note for fingerprints. Yes. So way to go. Some, you know, competent policing. But we never hear from them again. Well, we don't. Either. Yeah. Nothing comes with this. They go back to the Bardos. Um, they talk about going to visit where they used to live when they were young. But nothing really comes of that either, except for the fact that they they talk to the people there and they say that Lucille... Lucille? Is that her name? Mademoiselle yes. Menon. Yes. Nanny. Yeah. Not Nanny. Governess. governess. Her governess is now married. To Louis Albert. Yeah, correct. But they don't know anything else. Okay, so we're, we're in Orléans looking yes. for the Alberts. Yes. We don't find them, but Nancy saves a small child from falling off of a, a tall statue that uh, they have climbed upon uh, randomly. Again, no significance. Yeah, they do keep hearing that um, Monsieur Aubert is around, like, oh, he's leading the parade. Oh, he's over there across the street. Oh, you just missed oh, him. Oh, you just missed him. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't ever actually uh, find him, or not yet. They don't find him yet. <laughs> and then um, Henry just shows up. That's so creepy. Yes. He is such a stalker. It's so scary. I He says, I figured you would be here, basically, and I came here to see you. He says, how does he know that she's in town? Uh, I phoned the Bardos and they said you three were coming here and I offered to do an errand in Orléans for my dad. So not only does he go out of his way to figure out where Nancy is, he goes out of his way to find her. And let's be clear, like, this guy, Nancy danced with him at a party once. Yeah. Once. And he's, he has called where she's staying to track her down. This is creepy behavior. Ladies, if a boy does this, it doesn't mean that <laughs> that he's a good guy. Okay, yeah. um, maybe maybe be a little bit careful. And then, and then Bess and George totally throw her under the bus because he's like, "Do you want to take a drive with me?" Which I'm screaming, "No, Nancy, don't get in no, the car with don't this get guy." In the car with him. And Bess and George are like, "Oh, you go, Nancy. You go. You have fun." And it's like, ladies. <laughs> Help your friend out of this creepy situation. <laughs> in a foreign country. Yes. But then they get in a boat. They go for a boat ride or a paddle boat ride or something. Yes. Um, and I do have to say that Nancy kind of really turns on the the flirting 
for yeah. um, Henry Durant um, or Durant, however you say it in French, because she says they they're kind of joking a little bit about, you know, he's going to be a lawyer and he wants to give her some mysteries to solve or whatever. And she says, I can't wait for your first assignment. She said her eyes twinkling. And again, Nancy, if you're supposed to have a boyfriend, I don't know what, what this is about. It's a little much, girl. Also, how many mysteries do lawyers actually come across? Apparently a lot, though, because apparently Carson just gets hired as a detective part-time instead of doing his lawyering. Makes sense. Yeah, so they're boating, and they are on their way back, and they come to the dock, and Henry has to go because uh, his dad called him or something, and so he has to go answer the phone call. And someone... A stranger comes up beside her in the boat or whatever, covers her mouth and slaps her so hard she falls in the water. Mm-hmm. Now, I just, Corey, just, I just want you to picture this with me for a second. And everyone listening, just picture this for a second. You're sitting in a boat, I assume like a normal size canoe. Let's assume it's a canoe, which is relatively, you know, thin or whatever. It, mm-hmm. I think they say that a boat comes up alongside her or... You're right. It is a canoe. It is a canoe and a rowboat slides out from under the dock and bumps into the canoe. And then, so this guy covers her mouth. So he's beside her. He covers her mouth. So he's not behind her in the boat. He's in front of her or at least next to her. So he puts his hand up over her mouth and she doesn't, she can't back away and then smacks her with his other hand. So hard that it knocks her unconscious. So he's supposed to be covering her scream and smacking her at the same time. It just seems like either Nancy is literally just sitting there letting this happen to her, like, or or something, or the just it's it's described really strangely. Um, Can we talk about what he says as well? Yes, yes. You're trying to solve a dream. I'll give you something to dream about. Smack. So Nancy is assaulted. You know, this time it's not so much an accident, which I feel like is usually the, um, the, usually what happens to Nancy is she's involved in some kind of accident that is orchestrated or initiated by the bad guys. This time Mm -hmm. the bad guy just straight up smacks her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And thank goodness for Henry at this point, because he comes running back and saves the day. Saves the day, pulls Nancy out of the water. She tried to swim, she had no strength to do so, so she tries to float, and then Henry pulls her out. I'm all right. I'm just weak. Yes. Yeah, I bet you are if you've just been smacked unconscious. Yeah. But she feels better after she drinks coffee, which is relatable. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's she's all fine after she gets a little bit dried off and drinks some coffee. Way to go, Nancy. Even though she's still recovering from the car accident a few days earlier. Her spirits are revived after she's changed clothes. Mm-hmm. And she tells Wes and George about what happens. And then they go to, uh, they get the address of the O'Bears and they go to visit them. But there's another O'Bear couple with the exact same names living in this town. Yep. It's not the O'Bears that we're looking for. Nope. All this is just for nothing dead end. Mm-hmm. And they don't even know who Lucille Manon was. But they do tell them they've been getting some of the other Louis Aubert's mail. Um, And they look at that. uh, They see that maybe some of the letters might have been sent by his brother. But they haven't gotten any letters recently. They talk to them about alchemy. They actually really get into the alchemy here. Which is because this this Louis Aubert, the other Louis Aubert, is a chemistry teacher. Right? 
Just so happens. Just yes. so happens. He also knows a lot about alchemy, just like the other Louis. So it's really bizarre. It really just seems like they are the same person, but they're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I great. thought that's where it was going to go. And then it was just, hmm, no, never mind. We've had a wonderful evening. And then they get up and leave. And then they they go back to the Bardot's house where they find that Fifi has gone missing. <laughs> This was the most traumatic part of the book for me, I gotta be honest. I cannot handle missing pets. I can't handle injured pets. So I was <laughs> very upset. We can't handle the implication that some animal might be even slightly unhappy. Yeah, I can't. really, I can't. No, honestly, that's not even an exaggeration because right. literally my whole life is devoted to making sure that my cats are as comfortable as possible at every waking moment. So um, yeah, I can't I can't even, uh, it, it makes me upset to think about a dog missing. <laughs> Unless this dog is having the best day of his life, I don't want to read about it. It's too sad. <laughs> so true. Um, so the, the Bardot's dog, Fifi, the poodle, has gone missing. Um, but she's found straight away on the next page. So. But unconscious. Yeah. Someone drugged her. Just so that this little tiny thing won't bark, I guess. Uh, why? Did they steal something? They did. So they did. They went around the house and they stole gold. It's kind of random. Oh, yes. It, All the gold, but none of the other silver, precious jewels, anything. Right. They just stole the gold, which is, it just seems like, why did you break into this house that, where Nancy Drew was staying just to steal the gold? Surely there are other places where you can find gold if you needed or wanted it. Um, but it does give Nancy an opportunity to kind of uh, pull one over, or, or I guess not pull one over, one up the policeman <laughs> by solving the mystery before they did. Oh, yeah. Nancy gets kind of um, indignant at the police officers here. I feel like in in Shadow Ranch and, you know, even before in this book, we're kind of used to other people kind of doubting Nancy's abilities until she proves herself. But this time when the police doubt Nancy, she's kind of annoyed. She's kind of like, oh, I have to, you know, I can't believe that you would think that I don't know what I'm talking about. Me, an 18 year old American white girl. I can't believe that I would have to prove myself to you, a French policeman. So (laughs) she kind of takes it upon herself to, you know, show off, which she does, to be fair. Um, It's just, I just find it funny. It was, yeah. And then I just also observed just how lucky it is that all of these, all of these clues always lead to some beautiful location in France that has some kind of historical significance that we get to learn about. (laughs) Yes. That's true. That's a very considerate villain. Allows for them to take some very beautiful car rides through his beautiful scenery. He wants to make sure Nancy still has a pleasant visit to France, (laughs) even if he does try to kill her at the end. (laughs) Thank you, Mr. Nine. Uh, Okay, so Phoebe's fine. Nancy figures out how they broke in and what they stole and everything. And then Nancy's going to call Carson. She talks to her dad and learns that Monsieur LeBlanc has purchased a lot of uncut diamonds, but they don't know why. <laughs> oh, and earlier he was, there was some sort of theft, right? So he's got a, a few money things going on with him. It's just a little sketchy where he's getting all this money from and what he's using it for and why he's acquiring a bunch of diamonds all of a sudden. We got some questions there. Yeah. I do wonder, um, I mean, obviously we live in a much different world now. So I do wonder if some of this is, is supposed to be a little bit more obvious than it is 
to me now, you know, because I feel like when I read this, it all just seems really random. Like, okay, he's buying diamonds. He, you know, his money was stolen. He's thinking about selling his fact. Like, is this supposed to like add up to something that I'm supposed to understand? Um, but I really, I really don't. And so I'm, you know, I mean, event, obviously, eventually it does get explained, you know, the reasons for why those things happened and he did those things. But it's just, I just wonder if it's supposed to be something more common knowledge that someone in the, the 60s might have been able to pick up on that is just lost now. <laughs> Maybe it's just supposed to all seem really sketchy to us and we're not supposed to get it, but Nancy does get it. So we're supposed to be more impressed by mm. how amazing she is. Right. It does feel, yeah, it does feel like Nancy has some kind of extrasensory perception going on in this book that is not communicated to the reader. <laughs> so they go to the chateau. Um, and they're going to go to one of the ruins. Oh, no. First they see Monsieur LeBlanc. Mm-hmm. There's a yeah. car chase. A car chase. Yeah. Step on it, George says to Nancy. Um, and luckily... She says the road's straight enough, so she keeps up. But then uh, Monsieur LeBlanc goes around a corner, goes around a sharp turn, and Nancy doesn't feel comfortable making it. The one smart decision that Nancy has made in this book so far, and they lose it, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but then they turn around, decide to come back, because he must have gone off on a side path or something. They find the side path, but he's not there. They go into, yeah, they go into, they walk down farther down and find ruins there and then come across a little boy playing as a knight mm-hmm. in this chateau, which is just, it's By just himself. totally a random aside too. It has absolutely no, uh, no bearing except for the fact that he points them to the ruins on the other side of the road, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now we're on the correct side of the road of the correct ruins. Mm-hmm. And this is where they, they, oh, they hear a creepy lady singing. Yes. A creepy lady singing a madrigal. Ho, ho, ho. So they assume that it is Lucille Manon, but they don't actually, they don't actually meet her yet. But they find the ruin and they find the 99 steps, which is a creepy, this is what is pictured on the cover of the book, a creepy, janky looking staircase down into what is described as a medieval laboratory. So Beth stays up at the top to keep watch because she's not going down there. Relatable, Beth. Yeah, never uh, never go down a very steep, long staircase in the middle of ruins, in the middle of the night, someplace you're unfamiliar with, chasing people that have tried to kill you, what, five times now already? Yeah, not smart. Not smart, ladies. Turns out okay, though. They're able, they go down, and they do see someone down there. It is, oh, who, 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 who is it, Corey? Is it Louis? It is. They, they, um, they don't say that it's Louis. They say that oh, it oh, is. Oh, sorry. The Arab. They know who that is They now. know who it is. And they're still referring to him as the Arab. It's so insensitive. Anyway, okay, so we see him, and he has got a little piece of coal that he's hollowed out. He stuck a gold nugget inside and then put some, I guess, black paste or something over it so you can't see the hole. And is this where LeBlanc comes in? Um, yes, yes. So they best does their bird call, which was interesting to me. They alluded to that earlier in the books, too, that they have a special secret bird call that they use. Carson said it before. Um, and I was like, that's interesting. I guess Carson has a bird call that he uses, but Bess and George and, and them know it, too. So Bess does her bird call from up where she's uh, keeping a lookout. And that means she does it twice. So they know that means someone's coming. And so they hide. And Monsieur LeBlanc comes and... 
uh, I guess we do realize why um, Lou Albert is in uh, that quote unquote costume again, mm-hmm. um, because he is trying to pull one over on Monsieur LeBlanc. He's trying to fool him, con him, and make him think that he can turn coal or turn anything into gold. Now all of his actions before make sense. Um, and we understand why he was, you know, being weird with his money. And we realize that it's because he's being conned to think that gold is not going to have any value soon. Right. So Louis, disguised Louis, says, oh, it's going to be, what, $5,000? And LeBlanc is like, all right, you'll get your money tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And Nancy is like, oh, I've got an idea. This is where Nancy solves the mystery, basically. And now right. we've got to set up this trap to catch Louis in the act. Yep. And I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty boring from then on out to me. <laughs> I honestly yeah. think it's, it's, I mean, they, you know, they talk to Carson, they talk to Monsieur LeBlanc. They get him, they get both of them to come out right. to the countryside, to the chateau. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're going to set up this, this sting. They're going to call the police and get LeBlanc to go to his meeting as planned. And then that's where they're going to nab him. And so they do. So they do. They uh, they are able to catch him. After some drama, he locks them in there and he throws something into the fire um, that we assume is supposed to like explode and kill them all. But a brave police officer goes and pulls it out before it's able to do so. And then we the the police capture him, bring him back to the laboratory where Nancy is waiting, and they kind of get the whole story from him. So we learn all about you know how his intimidation of Nancy and his conning of Monsieur LeBlanc. We find that he invented this character of Abdul Ramos is supposed to be who this Arab person is. Mm-hmm. Now, can we talk about that for a second? Because Ramos is not an Arab name. Right. <laughs> if you were to pick a fake name, you could do a lot better than that. A lot better than Abdul Ramos. Yeah. And then we get kind of the sad story. So we meet Lucille Manon shows up and we kind of get her sad story, um, which is just that she married this guy basically. And turns out he's a, he's a con artist. So um, yeah, we learned that Lucille fell in love with Louis while she was working as Josette Blair's governess. So she would take the little girl with her to go visit him in his laboratory To help her not get scared, she would count each one of the steps as they walked down it, which explains the dream that she was having of the 99 steps. What does she say exactly? Oh, I knew nothing about this. She's crying, rubbing her eyes with her handkerchief, and Nancy comes over and basically gets her to confess that she was the nanny to Miss Blair. And Nancy kind of gets, she feels bad for her. She's like almost in tears um, when she's talking to her about it. And so I thought that was kind of, that was kind of interesting because I don't know what, I mean, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a sad, it's a tragic tale kind of about you, you know, falling for a bad dude, but were they trying to like, kind of like foster or like show like these kind of like feminine uh, bonds, like, like female friendship, because we kind of get to like the kind of the source of this whole mystery is the aunt of these two girls and she's having a bad dream and she remembers her governess and with a lot of fondness, but something scary happened there. And so she asked Nancy, a female detective and Nancy goes to France and all of these men do all these bad things to her. And then at the end we have her find, you know, this governess who also had, you know, a man do bad things to her. I mean, like, you know, roughly so and 
they kind of have a little bonding moment about it. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was kind of nice. Oh, yeah. And Louis, um, Louis confirms all this. My wife didn't know anything about it. So, yeah. So, so, so is this a story about a, a financial mystery, a mystery about alchemy, or is this really a cautionary tale for ladies to not take any wooden nickels and be careful who you go out with? <laughs> both. Mostly the second one, but a little bit of both, right? <laughs> it's a cautionary tale with a little bit of Paris thrown in. Yeah. What a, what a great, what a great story. Not really, though. Yeah, no, I'm tongue in cheek. <laughs> this is definitely not my favorite. I definitely prefer Shadow Ranch. So far, out of the two that we read, this sets firmly in number two. So, out of five flashlights, how many flashlights would you give this one? Honestly, I mean, I don't want to be too much of a downer, but I think a one out of five flashlights. Yeah. Yeah. I probably agree with you. One or two flashlights here. It's pretty bad. It's disappointing. Yeah, this one. Not the best choice. Hopefully our next one will be a little bit higher on the, the flashlight scale. Should we talk about our, mm-hmm. our next one? Yeah, you want to do like a drum roll? It's going to be Password to Larks Berlin. Number 10. Again, I have no memory of what goes on in that book. <laughs> but it seemed kind of appropriate because right now I'm trying to buy a house. And so, you know, I'm looking for all the passwords to all the lanes everywhere to try to find the right one. Um, so hopefully I'll find some clues in Password Deluxe Berlin. I think it'll be good. Thank you for listening to Regular Nancy Drew. Email us at regularnancydrew at gmail.com. If you liked this episode, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also follow us on Instagram at regularnancydrew and Twitter at regularnd. You can also support us on Patreon. Patrons at the $1 level receive early access to each episode as well as weekly bonus content. And to all you regular Drews out there, Thanks for listening.